The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brenton. I'm your host. On today's podcast, we are going to break down non-playoff teams from last year who can take a leap into the playoffs this year. Uh, This is your daily reminder that I used to write this article every year for five years and then randomly was not allowed to write it this year. Told I could not write it. I don't know what's happening. I don't care. Uh, You can check out what we we discuss uh, with Josh Edwards on yesterday's show, playoff teams from last year who could fall out of the playoffs. Um, and with Jared Dubin, we will break down teams that could leap up. But before you dive into the football, a reminder that you should be checking out the PGA Championship Golf Props app contest on CBSSports.com. You can test your golf knowledge this week for a chance to win $4,000. We are going big like up top, over the top, huge, tremendously huge with our golf props game for the PGA Championship because, you know, it's a CBS, uh, you know, it's it's the first major of the year, CBS. Yay. Synergy. The best part, no need to put your own money at stake. Just go to cbssports.com slash golf props to play. Answer a few questions and you'll be in contention for the cash. We have a full tournament game, which locks Thursday morning. We'll also have a Sunday round showdown worth $1,000 as well. Go get that cash as long as you're not related to me or related to Jared Dubin because you're probably not eligible as a relative of a CBS employee. You don't think they would let my dog win? I think your dog could win. I think they would have questions if your dog managed to enter a, a golf props contest and won. He's pretty – actually, he's not that smart. Um, we're not blood-related, though, so I think he should be eligible. I don't know that dogs are eligible to win these contests. Just a guess. Listen, that's that's your opinion, man. That's discriminatory. I know. Um, I think if I my next dog, I'm going to y- name uh, Yosemite. What do you think? I thought it was pronounced Yosemite. <laughs> Moving along, let's talk about other things that Dubin loves, like the Dallas Cowboys. Actually, you do like the Cowboys now. You're self-loathing. You're not a self-loathing Cowboys fan anymore. No, nah, I still Crazy am. It's just gone. that they're not coached by someone that I hate. Um. <laughs> They're coached by Mike McCarthy now, and I would say that when you start looking at teams who missed the playoffs last year, who could possibly take a leap forward and make the playoffs this year, there is no more obvious team than the Dallas Cowboys. Aren't they the most obvious team? Yeah, I mean, they were probably heading into last season. They were the most obvious team in terms of they made the playoffs the year before but probably wouldn't last year just because they were – so ridiculously good in one score games two years ago. They went nine and three in one score games in 2018. If you expect a regression to 500, which tends to happen over time, you know, you take away three wins and they don't make it. Well, last year they regressed way further than that. They were one and six in one score games and that led to their, you know, they had a, the point differential of a 10.7 win team according to pro football reference and they only went eight and eight. You know, they had the six, six best point differential in the NFL and they still didn't make the playoffs. It's, um, it's, that's, it's almost impressive. Yeah. I like mean, you can't even be mad because you have to be impressed that Jason Garrett orchestrated <laughs> that. And real quickly on this one score game stuff, we throw it out a lot. And the, the logic behind it, if people don't realize it, is that football is random. It is a game of chance oftentimes. It is an oblong leather ball, an inflated oblong leather football that bounces around randomly and lands in, in weird spots. Crazy things happen over the, the course of a short season and a short sample size of a, of a single NFL game. And therefore, if you lose a bunch of one-score games, in theory, you should regress to the mean. However, I'm curious what you think, Dubin, about the concept that the – so 2019, let's take a team we talked about yesterday, the Seattle Seahawks, and the team we're talking about now, the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think that they went – that the Seahawks were great in one-score games – and the Cowboys were bad in one-score games because of random sheer luck? 
or do you think it's sort of about like Russell Wilson is awesome and Jason Garrett's a moron? Um, I would say it could be all of those things. Okay. So there are some quarterbacks that have shown, you know, an increased ability to, you know, be better than 500 in one score games over the course of their careers. And like, surprise, surprise, it's the best quarterbacks. Like Peyton Manning was usually better than 500 in one score games. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, I would imagine over the course of his career, Patrick Mahomes will be better than 500 in one score games. For, you know, 95% of the league though, they tend to regress toward 500 in one score games over the course of time. You can obviously have, you know, years where you're better or you're worse, just like the Cowboys did in the last two years. Again, they were nine and three two years ago and one and six last year. But, you know, having Russell Wilson obviously helps you do better in one score games than, you know, most other teams would given a sort of median expectation. Um, and obviously having poor coaching would lead you to likely underperform in one score games more often than not. Um, so, I mean, the, the Cowboys did were coached by Jason Garrett when they went nine and three in one score games the year before. So, you know, like I said, like, so there's, you know, they were nine and three and then one and six, that's 10 and nine. There you go. Regress toward 500 over time. Yeah. It's a good point. I just sort of, I guess my point was like, do we think that conservative coaches are more likely to lose one score games or is it just, it really is just a true regression to the mean? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it's going to regress to the mean over the course of time. Uh, I would be interested to see a study based on, you know, conservative coaching and how that affects it. I would imagine you'd have to define conservative coaching pretty narrowly. Like, is it fourth down decision making? Yeah, is it sure. two point decision making? Is it is your it, offensive you know, style play? Yeah. Right. Punt yeah. versus field goal. Is it punt versus go for it? Is it, you know, early down running things like that? Like, is it, you know, a team that will run more often than not on second and 10 to get themselves into third and manageable? Like, there's a, a bunch of different ways you could define it, but I would be interested to see how that affects it. I know, I know the one thing that's, is if you have, you know, a truly elite, best in the league quarterback, there, there is some evidence that you can do better than 500 over time, but the Cowboys, like they're not going to go one and six in close games again in all likelihood. I wouldn't expect them to go six and one. They'll probably go three goes, and three this year or something. Right, like if that, they went right? three and four or four and three last year, they win the division instead of not, you know, so. That's that helps them uh, again. That's a, a ten point seven win expectation. I think they got better coaching. Obviously, you know Mike McCarthy by the end of his tenure in Green Bay, his offense had grown a little bit stale. But unlike other teams that change coaches in the off season, the Cowboys actually have a lot of continuity on their offense. They're returning nine of eleven starters. One of the two that they're replacing is Randall Cobb with Ceedee Lamb. Um, Travis Frederick is obviously a big loss. He wasn't the best center in the league last year, like he was for most of his career, but he's still an above average center. So going to, you know, Joe Looney or Tyler Biotish or Connor McGovern, whoever wins that spot is probably going to be a little bit of a downgrade, but they're going to upgrade at that number three receiver and they kept their offensive coordinator and they should have, you know, more early down passing, more aggressive decision making that should help their offense be better. And it was already, you know, one of the best offenses in the league last year and then I also think just the massive special teams upgrades they're going to have this year they were one of the worst special teams units in the league the last two years and they hired probably the second best special teams coach in the league and John Fossil behind only Dave Tobe who's like the best special teams coach ever and they also have an easy schedule 10th 10th easiest schedule using opponent over-unders okay that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot to like. Their over-under win total for this year is uh, nine and a half, and it's juiced a hundred minus one forty-five to the over, which leads you to believe that that everyone in Vegas. Now, I, there, there is some built-in uh, public bias, yeah. like they want to make the public pay to take the Cowboys, and they're doing that here because nine and a half minus one forty-five is enormous. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's almost like ten. Obviously, you can you know you win at ten, you lose at nine versus pushing right. ten and. But I think you can win nine games in the AFC and still, or in the NFC and still get that potentially the six or seven seed. Yeah. I also think you could win nine games in the NFC East and potentially win the division. Literally happened last year. Like, by like two so, or three games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. So the Cowboys, uh, I need to look at what the, the prop is and I'll, I'll fire it up in a second, but if they have it open, the Cowboys to make the playoffs would be interesting. I, I think that I would. If it's not like minus 300, I, I would probably love to get on that. Uh, I mean, I just, my one concern with the Cowboys is 
will there be some kind of, and the Cowboys are minus 270 to make the playoffs. So, I mean, this is, this, again, this isn't easy. So that's play. what, that's an implied, what, like 60 something percent chance? It's pretty, pretty high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what is the path? I guess here, I guess this is the better question. What is the path for the Cowboys to miss the playoff? What is the realistic path for the Cowboys to miss the playoff that didn't like um, breaks his leg in week one? Right. The, the biggest thing is Dak gets hurt. Um, yeah, for sure. Know, obviously they have Andy Dalton, who's one of the better backup quarterbacks in yeah. the league, but you're talking about changing a lot of the offense. And now all of a sudden, a lot of the continuity that you have just in terms of guys who have played together, guys who have played with Kellen Moore. Um, a lot of that goes out the window if you have to change quarterbacks. Um, so that's obviously the biggest one. The, the next is probably, you know, the defense takes a big step backward. You know, I would say they lost probably the, the second best player from the defense in Byron Jones, and they're trying to attack their cornerback issue with volume this year. You know, they brought in a, a bunch of, you know, average-ish free agents. One of them, Maurice Kennedy, I think opted out of the season. Um, they got Trayvon Diggs. They still have Jadobi Awuzie, Jordan Lewis, Anthony Brown. Um, they brought in a couple more, Daryl Worley. Uh, they drafted Reggie Robinson too. So they got like, basically they have six or seven corners and they're hoping they get two or three that play at an average level or better. Uh, if they can't get that, that could be, you know, a big problem for them on defense. You know, if they just don't have pass rush outside of Demarcus Lawrence, um, obviously Robert Quinn was really effective last year rushing opposite him. They're sort of counting on, you know, Tyrone Crawford to be like the early down guy on the right side. And, you know, he's been, he likes playing edge more than interior because you just get beat up less often. But, you know, from watching them, obviously, I think he's been more effective as, you know, like a, a three tech or one tech tackle and sort of penetrating from the inside. So it'll be interesting to see that. And then Alden Smith obviously is sort of a dice roll as like the pass rush specialist. So I, I think that people are treating Alden Smith like it's, I mean, it would be a miracle if he had more than five sacks. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to play a ton. Like I think he's going to be right. you know, used as sort of like a third down pass rusher type or, you know, a late game pass rusher type. Like I think you're going to see Tyrone Crawford play probably like double the amount of snaps as Alden Smith. Like if Alden Smith gets 300, 350 defensive snaps, I think that's probably around the expectation if he's on the field for all 16 games. Um, but if he's on the field in situations where you would expect pass 70, 80, 90% of the time, True. we're talking about, you know, 300 chances to rush the passer. You know, if you can get six, seven sacks out of that, that's really good. Sort of how they, I mean, sort of how honestly he, you know, was used when he came out of college, out of Missouri. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know. Like yeah, the dude is ridiculously stu- talented. We just haven't seen him in a long time. We have no idea what he's going to look like. In places 2015, I don't think. It's crazy. That's a long time. The Cowboys love that. Be- hold on. I know we're supposed to bleep him on podcasts, but was 2015 the pre-Sean era, and now he's coming back in the post-Sean era? Wow. That's a great call. I don't know that bleep McWagner McBleep is even here when <laughs> – when Alden Smith last played, I wonder if I wonder if Bleep ever played a um ever had to write a uh, Alden Smith arrested story because I know I wrote a lot of them. Uh, or Alden probably uh, the... probably ranked John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh ninth in the coaching rankings that year. <laughs> That's right. It's like clearly the second best coach in all of professional football. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I I struggle to find. I think I think I think you're right there. Non-DAC injury, and even with a DAC injury, like you'd think Andy Dalton could get this team to nine wins. Yeah, I mean, it's also just the division is bad. Like uh, the Giants and Washington, neither are, I don't think, a threat to seriously challenge for the playoffs. I think the the Eagles and Cowboys are probably just as good as each other. I think the Eagles have more injury issues, certainly right now. Like obviously Brandon Brooks out for the season, one of the best guards in the league. Jason Peters – if there's anybody that's going to be able to make the transition from a tackle to guard and be the left side to the right side, you know, at whatever the guy age who was 37, 38 years drafted old, by a, drafted by yeah. a tight end by Buffalo like, and then turned into a Hall of Fame left tackle. Yeah. Yeah. I would bet on him to make that transition better than anybody else. It's still a big adjustment, especially going from the left side to the right side, I think is going to be the bigger issue than, you know, kicking inside from tackle to guard, which we've seen guys like, you know, Zach Martin was a tackle in college, kicked inside to guard. Uh, Brandon Sheriff did that for Washington. Um, you know, the, so the, the Eagles, I do think have more injury issues, especially like their quarterback has gotten hurt, what, two, three times in his career now. And, you know, 
Dak has played 64 of 64 games. You know, if, if you were going to expect one team's quarterback to not make it through the season, it would be a better bet to pick Philly than Dallas. Just Carson Wentz would be minus 200 and history. Dak would be plus 150. If it's like, who's, who's more likely to miss time this season? Hey, let me right. see on the, on the, on the opponents from last year for the Cowboys. So here are their losses. The Saints on the road to the Saints, two points. Packers at home, 10 points. A Sunday night game where Aaron Jones went bananas. At the Jets by two points, but that was just a weird game where they looked terrible. Uh, Vikings at home by four points. Her cousins, primetime baby. Uh, at the Patriots by four points. The Bills at home on Thanksgiving by 11 points. That was a horrible game. And yep. the Bears on the road the next week by seven points. Another and, horrible game. Yeah. That was that Thursday night game a week after yep. Thanksgiving. And then, uh, the week 16 game at the Eagles where Philly basically clinched uh, or gave themselves a chance to clinch the division in week 17. So of those games, only two, the Jets and the Bears were against non-playoff opponents. Do you read that as Dallas had a tough schedule and lost some close games to good teams? Or do you read that as Dak can't beat good teams? Um, if you want to tell me that Dak can't beat good teams, like – Go look at 2016 to 2018, I guess. Like, uh, I'll take the well, three-year temple. What, what do you think of the Dan Orlovsky, uh, uh, what is it? The, yeah, we. Uh, I think we talked about this a few podcasts ago, but if you're going to use a small sample, at least use the full small sample. <laughs> that's it. Like, Yeah, that's right. Don't just use the part of the small sample that makes – the argument that already fits what you're going to say. Like there are plenty of legitimate reasons to think Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. You know, Dak's record in games against playoff teams in the fourth year of his career is <laughs> not really a good one, especially since Wentz's was only a half game better. Yeah. And or, and or like turnover differential against playoff teams. Right. Like let's, like, let's, let's make the sample size as small as humanly possible. How about that? Yeah. Um, like if you're going to, do the holistic thing. Like, let's say you just want to use performance against playoff teams. Like let's use more than like 2% total of his throws. Right. It, it makes like, just make the ones that turned into touchdowns and interceptions. Like how about the ones that turned into first downs? How about the ones that were short of the sticks that weren't good throws? Like what says even that all the touchdowns were good throws. One says the interceptions or fumbles were bad throws or his fault. You know, that's why you got to look at the, holistic things. And again, if you're going to use the small sample, use the full small sample. And I said this on the Dak contract podcast, um, Dak's, you know, EPA per play was only about average in those games, but it was better throwing and running than Wentz's. So if you're going to use that argument, like there's a reason you use touchdown to turnover ratio instead of like something that captures the full level of performance of both guys. And again, I think it's a totally reasonable opinion to think Carson Wentz is better than Dak. Sure. It's just not a good way to make the argument. <laughs> like you got a lot more things on your side. I think that at his best, he's shown a higher ceiling. You know, I think that's a significantly better carrot in you know for for Wentz than like Dak went two and four against playoff teams last year, and Wentz went two and three. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, so I, I would I would add too that I think, and I know we said not not including injuries, but I think there is a possibility that the Cowboys could miss the playoffs if there is a trickle-down effect of Travis Frederick and his departure, not only in how he and, like, you know, you're talking about a quarterback in a new system losing his center. I think that's sort of an underrated aspect of it. And additionally, sometimes you see this on offensive lines. As good as the talent is at the other positions, taking away a key piece. There's a Jenga effect sometimes with offensive lines when you take yeah. away a key piece. So I, I would say I that would, I think I would be more willing to buy that if they didn't just play a full season without Frederick sure. two years ago and still hold up as one of the best I, offensive I'm not, lines. I'm not saying it'll I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm just saying I'm trying to oh, look yeah, it's, at Cowboys. it's definitely possible and it's a yeah. it's a good argument to make. I think it, I would just be more willing to say that it's likely if we hadn't seen them do it already. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I, I, yeah. I, my thing is like, if I'm trying, I'm trying to find a path. Oh yeah. Cowboys I, I think the, the easiest path is the defense. Like yeah, if the, there's, agree. it's entirely possible they have no pass rush and no coverage. I, I think, and I've seen Evan Silva talk about this a lot on Twitter. Uh, Evan Silva established a run, talk about this on uh, Twitter a lot recently, but the Cowboys, you can stack the living crap out of the Cowboys oh, yeah. in fantasy football. And it's a pretty good idea 
to even go like four or five deep on the Cowboys because it's possible they have a bottom five or 10 defense and a top five offense. And they just forced to score more and more to keep up. And I think Mike McCarthy much less likely than Jason Garrett to just sort of be content to run the ball and keep it close. Like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. think he's going to be hyper aggressive, but I think maybe a little more likely to put his foot on the gas. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the more aggressive coaches in the league for the majority of his Green Bay tenure toward the end. He got a little bit more conservative and he was very conservative in some high profile spots, like in that playoff game that they lost to the Seahawks. And I think it was the NFC title game that year where like Detroit lost in a weird way to Dallas, Dallas lost in a weird way to Green Bay, Green Bay lost in a weird way to Seattle. And then Seattle lost on the Malcolm Butler pick in the Super Bowl. So it was like a very weird sort of, you know, cascading effect that went on there. Uh, but certainly McCarthy was a significantly more aggressive coach throughout his tenure in Green Bay. Um, than Garrett was. I also, th- you know, on the fantasy football thing, like if, if you're going to pick a non chiefs or Ravens team to lead the league in points, I think the Cowboys are probably your best bet. I think the Cowboys um, might be more likely than the Ravens to lead the league in points in points uh, scored, not point differential points scored. No, no, no. Yeah. Point differential. N- no points scored. Maybe, um, you know, certainly Lamar's probably not going to throw touchdowns on 9% of his passes again. That just doesn't really happen ever. Um, It it, it never happens ever. I I think it happened five times where somebody's done it. And then the next year it always regresses Mahomes last year, Manning. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. But this is the thing we got into last year. Like Mahomes could regress and still be awesome, which is exactly what happened. Same thing with Lamar. He can regress and still be awesome. By the way, shout out to, uh, I think it's at, Eagles underscore fan with a P-H-A, capital P-H-A-N, who I assume, who follows me on Twitter, and I assume is a fish fan uh, based on that handle. Um, he was coming at me last yesterday saying, telling Debo that I need to shut up and uh, stop talking all about the Cowboys and hyping them up <laughs> and sleeping on the Eagles. And then I was able to uh, completely flip it on him by giving him – a, a tweet from CBS Sports HQ where on this podcast I had picked the Eagles to be the best team, the sneaky best team over the next 10 years in professional football. So to Eagles fan, I say, oh, no. I mean, oh, they my. got a good coach oh, and a good quarterback. Oh, so. I dunked on a, I like dunking on podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, we got enough. They have a good coach and a good quarterback. So yeah, they're a pretty good bet to be one of the better teams in the league for the next five, 10 years. The Cowboys were going to be Cowboys, stay on the field. Cowboys were one of those teams too. If we knew that they would lock up Dak Prescott. Um, okay. So moving along to a team that will probably not be – you would not pick to be one of the best teams in the next 10 years, but only because their quarterback just showed up and we don't know how long he's going to play. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, plus 140 to win the NFC South. Seven and nine last year with Jameis Winston who threw a walk-off pick six. This probably should have been a playoff team last year. And I think with the expanded playoffs, the Carolina Panthers rebooting, a lot of questions about the Atlanta Falcons – um, and you know, the room in the NFC for two NFC South teams to make the playoffs. This is a, another, and I'm not dogging to picks. I just, if I were writing the column, this would definitely be one of the teams I put in there. Yeah. I think that there are, so there, I think there are four pretty obvious picks for this exercise. Um, and those are the four teams we're going to talk about for the, you know, the most extended time here. I'm sure we'll touch on some other ones too, but I mean, yeah, the, the Bucks are a pretty obvious pick. Like, I don't know that I'm quite as confident in them as I am in Dallas or one of the other teams that we're going to get to next, just because, you know, unlike Dallas, who does have a new coach, but has a ton of continuity on offense. Otherwise, you know, they're returning, like I said, nine of 11 starters, their offensive coordinator, they're using the same, you know, offensive terminology and just, you know, installing sort of a new scheme within it. The, the Bucks have a quarterback who hasn't played with any of his current teammates except for one. And it's the guy who just took a year off, lost like 900 pounds and gained it back. Um, it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of learning for them to do there on offense, I think. And there's a lot of things that need to be worked out just in terms of like Brady knowing where Mike Evans likes the ball or knowing how Chris Godwin looks when he's going to, you know, on a an option route when he's going to turn inside instead of outside. Like there's things that they need to learn just to, you know, get their rhythm together and operate at peak efficiency. And that's the case with another one of the teams we're going to talk about next two. So I think I'm slightly less confident in them than I am in Dallas. Or so you think again. you think that the having a new quarterback 
is a little bit more difficult to train. I'm just curious what you think about. Yeah, I think it's season. so a new quarterback who hasn't played the, uh, with right, a new quarterback who hasn't played with any of his teammates sure. is more difficult than bringing in a new head coach over the same offensive coordinator in an offense that has you know like 90 percent continuity. I think um, I, I still think that the Bucks are a pretty good bet to make the playoffs. Like I think if you had to guess yes or no, like I, I would lean toward yes. Um, but I think it's closer to, you know, 55, 45, 60, 40 than it is to 75, 25, 80, 20, something like that. Well, um, but can, I do think you can adjust playbooks week. Oh to week yeah. And like figure out what, like you can, and Brady happening. is used to that. Like yeah. he, comes from a game plan offense where they would change things literally every week where, you know, one week they might run 50 times the next week they might throw 50 times. But the biggest thing to me is so last year, the Bucks turned the ball over on 21% of their offensive possessions (laughs) highest in the NFL. By a long shot, I would have to. Oh yeah. Uh, By, by like two or 3%. Um, In the last decade, do you want to guess what the worst Patriots turnover rate was? Oh, by uh, by total possessions for an entire season, I would yeah. say to the Patriots. Uh, does this count turnovers on downs or? But just it's just how many of their drives end in a turnover. Okay, I would say that the I'll say seven percent. Uh, well, you're close, ten percent. Okay, um, their worst ranking was tenth, and the other um, nine times they were in the top four. That's incredible. So I mean, that's, yeah. you're, you're talking about an extra like 15, 20 chances to score just based on that alone. Yeah. I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. It's, it is a huge deal. By the way, yeah, Bruce I mean, they also have like a pretty good defense. Um, you know, I'm skeptical that their secondary will be quite as good as it was last year. And basing your defense around a run defense is not ideal, but there's a, a lot of talent there. And I think their linebackers are really good. They obviously have a pretty good pass rush. They have a good defensive coordinator. They upgraded their offensive line. And like you, I think you were about to say, Arians having a quarterback that he doesn't actively hate um, <laughs> will lead him to be more engaged. And they have a pretty easy schedule too. 11th easiest schedule uh, right behind the Cowboys. And I think one of the things with the Bucks defense too is that, and this is sort of an intangible, but I mean, mentally, it mm. sure is a lot easier to go out there knowing that when you get, if you get the ball back, your offense isn't going to immediately one fifth of the time hand the ball back over to the opposing defense. And, it, yeah, you know, and you're probably not going to be faced with like the, you know, top five worst opponent starting field position. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things he did the was he gave the ball to the other team in great field position. And that's just mm-hmm. sort of who Jameis is. Yeah. I, I, um, by the way, Bruce Arians, I wasn't going to say that. Bruce Arians, I was going to say Bruce Arians said, we're, this is Thursday's podcast, right? Yes. And we, Bruce Arians said on Wednesday that Ronald Jones is the guy in Tampa Bay. Uh, they signed LaShawn McCoy. He expects him to find, quote, a niche. I buy, I buy, I'm buying a, I'll buy Ronald Jones everywhere. I think he'll probably Didn't be more expensive. Did he say than the one. same thing last year? Maybe. Yeah, I think he did. Like, I, I do think that McCoy can carve out like the James White role. Maybe not like quite as high a volume, like clearly. Ronald Jones two different is a good coaching pass staffs catch. now. Right. But two different coaching staffs now have not trusted him to be on the field in passing situations because he's such a horrendous well, pass blocker. Uh, if, if his, I mean, it is all predicated on his pass blocking improving because if his pass mm-hmm. blocking doesn't improve, they will not let him sit out there with Tom Brady. Cause that is how mm-hmm. you, that is how you ruin a season, Re- ruin a season and humiliate your franchise by letting Tom Brady get smashed into the ground because Ronald Jones can't pass block. They won't, I don't think they will do that. No, me neither. That's, that's why I think McCoy can sort of carve out that role. Like if there's one of those two guys that Brady is going to trust a in pass protection and B as sort of a reliable receiver out of the backfield, you know, McCoy obviously has not been as explosive the last two seasons as he was, you know, for the large majority of his career, but certainly he's proven himself, you know, a reliable pass catcher just in terms of like actually hauling in the ball. And he's been a pretty good pass blocker for most of his career too. And he knows what to do in those situations. He's not going to miss some blitzer coming free and let Tom Brady, who's 43 years old now, get absolutely rocked into oblivion. That is, Mm -hmm. and I think that that is paramount when it comes to what the Buccaneers do. Now, again, if Ronald Jones has drastically improved his pass blocking, then he can be a, fa- a fantasy football league winner because you are getting him very cheap. But you're taking, it's a leap of faith to assume that he's done that this offseason in his third year. 
Yeah, I mean, look, he's also, you know, he's been in the league for two years as a second-round pick. He's not really been given the lead role at all, and he's, again, in two coaching he's staffs. He's really talented. Him. Really yeah. talented. He, like, he seemed like one of those guys two years ago where it was like, oh, you know, all the Bucks have is Peyton Barber. Like, Ronald Jones is going to win that role easily. And then he was, like, inactive for the first eight, nine weeks of the season, and it was just nothing. And then last year it was like, oh, well, all they have is Peyton Barber and Dario Gumbawale. Like, Ronald Jones is obviously going to be the lead back. And for the most part, it wasn't like that. You know, at a certain point, you know, you're now three years into his career. This is going to be the second to last year of his rookie contract. Like, it's got to happen or it's not going to happen. Right. That's that's fair. And, and again, they added LaShawn McCoy. It's not exactly a a – a, a vote of confidence. A vote of confidence, right, exactly. Right. I'm, I'm with you. The Bucks make uh, total sense. And there are two teams in the AFC that make total sense as well. We will tell you who they are coming up after the break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so we mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC. Again, when I say obvious, it is not an insult. I think they're great choices. But I mean, like that's, you're not here to be a hero and pick the Washington football team to make the playoffs. You're here to be right. You want to yeah. have, you want to go four or four, or is it four or four? Four or four. And then I have like six or seven candidates for a fifth spot. Hmm. I think I did five each year because 5.6 was like the number. Maybe I, I can't remember. Either way, like you want to go three or four. I think, I think going anything less than three or four is not a great. Job. Yeah, I would agree, especially because we know that two additional teams are going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not like, saying it. No matter to... what, there's going to be two new playoff teams. Right. So you really you should go four or four on this particular exercise. The missing, the missing the one is is, is harder. I, th- I think you got a good shot of doing it. The Buccaneers, by the way, minus two hundred to make the playoffs. As you mentioned, the Cowboys minus two seventy to make the playoffs. A uh, another team that is. Heavily favored to make the playoffs as well, I believe. The Pittsburgh, oh, not actually surprisingly a little bit lower. The Pittsburgh Steelers minus 141. That probably stems from the fact that they are not the favorites, not even really close to favorites to win the division because they reside in the same division as the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, and of course the best regular season team in football last year, the Baltimore Ravens. But Dubin, they almost made the playoffs last season, eight and eight, uh, just shy of four to one to win that division, which is crazy for the Steelers really over the last I mean, 15 years, like ever since right. Big Ben got into the league. Uh, they have a win total set at nine, though, so they are favored to make it. Uh, Big Ben recently said that the surgery that he had done was not Tommy John. There had been some confusion about it, but he, he had uh, three flexor tendons, which were torn off, uh, and he had surgery to attach them to his right elbow. You know, we've been saying that he's a great, you know, this is a great bounce back candidate, depending on Ben being healthy. That gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah, I mean, as someone who has had tendons torn off of other body parts, it's not fun. Um, Which body you know, part? I've had what? one torn off, like, uh, in my thumb. Ah. I, um, my, I guess my knee, they didn't totally come off. They just tore um, my hip. I had the – I tore my uh, hip labrum, hip flexor. Um, I've torn okay, a lot of you know what? You should have just listed parts you haven't had. Yeah. No, I look, for the Steelers, I think you can go back to um, – to a turnover rate type of thing. So like, I think their defense probably won't be quite as good in 2020 as it was in 2019, simply because they're probably not going to force turnovers on 19% of their opponent's possessions again. <laughs> they're, not gonna not, be, they're not going to be reverse James Winston's, but you're right. Saying. It's not sustainable, <laughs> but they're also probably not going to turn it over 16% of the time themselves. 
And also, last year, they had the third lowest rate of scores on their drives in the league, 28.6%, and they were top 10 in four of the previous five seasons, top five in three of them. Like, if you had to bet on any team to be the most improved offense in the league this year, the best bet is almost certainly Pittsburgh, and that should, you know, help stave off any potential drop-off that they have on defense. You know, they still have a really good offensive line. You would expect Ben to play more than like a game and a half this year, even if he doesn't <laughs> make it through the entire season. Uh, I think their pass catchers look better this time this year than they did last year when you really didn't know what you had in like Deontay Johnson, James Washington at all. I think Johnson came on um, over the second half of last season. Even Washington looked a little bit better. They, they added Eric Ebron at tight end. Um, yeah. So I, I think that there's a, a pretty, obvious case to make for the Steelers too. And again, we're going to go right back to it. Ninth easiest schedule um, in the league using opponent over-unders, even despite having the Ravens in their division, having the the Browns who should be pretty good in their division. Um, yeah. So I, I think the, the case is pretty obvious for them, just like it is for, you know, the Cowboys and the Bucks. Well, and this is one of those things too, where it, when you are, and this happened to me because I had the Steelers in the Super Bowl last year, what you do when it doesn't happen is you point to big Ben. Like if the Steelers, if Big Ben plays 16 games, I feel pretty confident the Steelers are going to make the playoffs. Now, maybe he's like 12 to 14. Like it's a sure. significantly better chance. Yeah, and now maybe there's some overwhelming issue about uh, long-term attrition on the offensive line and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster transitioning to the number one role. They don't play him more in the slot, or he's not healthy. I mean, you know, there there are there are paths where this team doesn't make the playoffs, even with a healthy Big Ben. But I think it's a pretty small percentage chance. I mean, this is a they, they draw. Uh, let's see, what do they get? The AFC South. Yes, they also get to play the Washington Football Team, so that's exciting. So they play the they AFC play the South AFC and NFC East, East and the NFC East and the AFC South. Like that's really helpful when you're trying to make the playoffs. That's probably six wins, five to six wins. Yeah, four like to five. That. Yeah, four, uh, I would say five is probably the the best bet, like five and three against those two divisions. I mean, I think four but and four if, against those two divisions would be disappointing. Oh yeah. And if I, if I had to bet on six and two or four and four, I think I would go six and two. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, then all of a sudden you're six and two and you haven't played the Browns once. You haven't played the Bengals once. And I think both of those teams are improved, but you also get, you know, um, let's see, you get the Broncos, the Texans, the, uh, then the Washington, or the, the, Washington football the team. Jets. Yeah. That's right. No, the Bills. Bills. At the Bills. Oh, right. They came in third. In the- I mean, they, they got some tough. I mean, they got some tough matchups. But I think this is a team defensively. If they are top ten again, and I think that they should be. If they're top five, I think it's almost a lock they make the playoffs with a healthy Ben. It's it really comes down to Ben. Is Ben healthy? They are a playoff team. If Ben is not healthy, they are probably not a playoff team. Yeah, that's basically where I'm at. Like this is the the AFC team that I'm a little bit more confident in getting there just because hmm. of the the situational factors in terms of how atrocious their offense was last year. Like it was just an absolute disaster and even approaching average would be such a big improvement that, I mean, they can't help but win. They had know, less than 3000 passing yards. More. Yeah. I mean, it was That's... just a disaster and like everybody knew that they wanted to run on every down. That's not going to be the case this year. Like they're going to be running in advantageous situations when they do run this year. I would imagine teams are going to be more threatened by, you know, the Ben, Juju, Johnson, Ebron, Washington passing game than by James Conner. Um, and James Conner's a good pass catcher too, you know. Um, as, as long as Ben is on the field for double-digit games, I feel pretty good about it. Okay. I, I agree with you. And I, and, but it is a tough, like you just don't, you know, we just can't know whether Ben will be healthy or not over the long haul. And it's – yeah. That's tough. Uh, the other the team, thing is when he is healthy, the like he hasn't been bad the most recent – like we haven't seen any sort of physical drop-off from him when he's actually healthy in recent years. I mean he threw for 5,000 yards two years ago. I would, um, I would that suggest that the only reason – I would suggest that the only reason for the injury was because he was so prolific. He led the league in passing attempts. And I think having a guy – possible. What's that? That's entirely I, possible. I just think I think if you have a guy at his age lead the league in passing attempts, I think if you have anybody over the age of 25 lead the league in passing attempts, that it's probably going to have some inherent 
longer term detrimental effect to their arm health. I mean, it's 650 passing attempts. It's just, that's a lot of throws. It certainly is. I mean, I don't know that I would like to see a study on whether, you know, having over 600 throws or whatever leads to any sort of long-term anecdotally um, health issues. Like I know it didn't really for Drew Brees for the most part, like he didn't really get hurt until last year. And that was a finger injury. Uh, Matt Stafford stayed healthy for a long time after throwing yeah. a ton of times. Um, but some guys have gotten hurt. Like Dante Culpepper threw a lot for a few years and then he started getting hurt a whole bunch. Um, trying to think of other guys. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm going to look this up real quick. We're going to, let's see. Obviously, let's, say, let's look up, let's look up, um, Peyton Manning led the league and he, he did it right before his next surgery. Yeah. I mean, he also threw a lot of passes for a lot of years before that. That, that's, that's true. I'm just saying, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying it's, all right. So here, let's, let's look at, uh, quarterbacks who from 2001 to 2019, 27 or older, 600 or more pass attempts. Peyton Manning in like There haven't been a lot of 600 pass attempt seasons, period. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a total of 38 in 38 seasons that meet this criteria. Peyton Manning, 679 passing attempts at the age of 34 in 2010. And then he required four neck surgeries, uh, the year after that. He was also, uh, sacked only 16 times, but that's still not great. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, 2018, 675 passing attempts. Was sacked 24 times and uh, tore his, tore up his elbow the following year. Um, Joe Flacco in 2016 somehow threw 672 times. Um, good offense. Throwing right? a lot is good. Throwing a lot with Joe Flacco is not. Well, and, but you remember Joe Flacco got hurt and replaced by Lamar Jack. No, that was the year after. Yeah. Okay. So that maybe that didn't apply. Philip Rivers in 2015. I want to say that in 2016 that Philip Rivers. We know he hasn't gotten hurt. Philip Rivers led the league in interceptions the next year after throw after leading. Yeah, but he's like a occasionally interception prone quarterback anyway. His, his completion percentage dropped by six points the following year and he led the league in interceptions. Was I'm that under- the, um, the first year that they switched to Anthony Lynn though? From mm, Mike McCoy? No, that was Mike McCoy's second year. Okay. No, I take that back. It was Mike McCoy's third year. Interesting. Um, I'm ignoring all Drew Brees seasons. By the way, Peyton Manning came back and did it again in 2013. It was fine. Drew Brees has a ton of these. Uh, Matt Ryan at the age of 28 in 2013. And then in 2014, uh, he was still, he was still pretty good. So I don't think that one qualifies. Tony Romo, 2012. Did he get hurt in 13? He, Fourteen Did was probably not. his best year, and that was like no volume. His completion percentage went down though. Sixty, the lowest completion percentage of the last five years for him. Yeah, he had uh, a bad coach. Andrew Luck, twenty eighteen. Not sure if you're aware, but uh, left Oof. football. <laughs> he didn't didn't play again. That's a nice transition opportunity here for the Colts. I could have done it with Rivers too. Usually, when we stop reading this list off, that would... oh no, you can go ahead. Rich Gannon, two thousand two. Oh hey, I don't know that Gannon's. Gannon. He was kind of old already at that yeah, point. Yeah, he only right? played seven games in 2003. And he was really old. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, but an, anecdotally speaking, if you're willing to take out Drew Brees, and I sort of am because I feel like Sean Payton has done a good job minimizing like what kind of make right. it he throws like, you know, an average of two yards per throw. Right. Like exactly. Mike, Mike Thomas slants that travel seven and a half yards to Mike Thomas's stomach. Yeah. Um, I just think anecdotally speaking, and maybe maybe it would even be worth it to move the age range up. We should really do a story on this, but move the age range up to like thirty-one and see what happens. Because you know, twenty-eight, you know, you're a little bit older, obviously. Um God, Drew Brees is ridiculous. So is Tom Brady. But any anecdotally speaking, it does look like there's uh, maybe a magic number there, whether it's 650 or something else that just seems to impact these quarterbacks. Um, and because, you know, maybe it impacted Andrew Luck and he retired from maybe. football and the Colts were stuck last year with just Jacoby Brissett. It didn't work out. Uh, he also got hurt last year. I feel like people gave him a, a raw deal, but nevertheless, the Colts went out in free agency and signed Phillip Rivers. And they are after going seven and nine last year. Uh, plus 140 to win the AFC South with a win total set at nine. And I agree, an excellent candidate to leap up, especially when 
We talked about with Josh Edwards, the Texans and the Titans look like teams that could fall back out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Colts make all the sense in the world as a team that could take a leap forward and make the postseason. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, easiest schedule in the NFL. Granted, the Titans have the second easiest, but it's better to have the first easiest than the second. Um, very likely regression for the Texans and Titans coming. Texans overperformed their point differential by, I think, like two and a half wins last year, which is, you know, a big regression flag. The Titans, like, you know, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to be the most efficient quarterback in the league again. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to average like 5.8 yards per carry for the final 10 games of the season again. You know, granted, those guys can both regress and still be very good. Um, I would bet on Ryan Tannehill being closer to average than very good based on, you know, the majority of his career. Uh, plus, you know, the Jaguars might be the worst team in the league. So this is not a good division. They, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Even last year, they were six and four before they went one and five down the stretch. Um, they should have better health. Like, I don't think you're going to get only, you know, 650 or so snaps from T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell combined. Um, Philip Rivers. Basically never misses games, even if he does. Brissett is one of the better backup quarterbacks now in the league. I think they're a much deeper team overall, like just backup quarterback. They added Michael Pittman to the receiver core. Trey Burton is a backup tight end. Also, let's now clarify, have... Philip Rivers doesn't miss games. Not hardly no. at all. He doesn't miss games. He, no. he didn't start all 16 games every year of his career, but he was behind Drew Brees. He has never missed a regular season game in his uh, – Hasn't missed a playoff his... game either. Played with a torn ACL or whatever. You're damn right he did against – Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I, I think that they've got a lot of things working in their favor. Um, adding DeForest Buckner to the defense, I think that unit should be improved as well. Uh, I think Matt Eberflus is a really good defensive coordinator. Um, the one thing that gives me slight pause on them is that much like the Bucks, they have a new quarterback, and while he's played for the head coach and offensive coordinator, he hasn't played with any of these teammates Sure. So it's going to take at least a little bit for him to get used to like throwing to T.Y. Hilton or throwing to Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, whoever. Um, so it's just very slightly different. Um, but I do think that, you know, based on their division, based on their schedule, based on the fact that, you know, it, I think that they probably would have ended up making the playoffs last year. Brissett didn't get hurt. Yeah. That was a big factor in their, you know, one and five collapse. His play, his play down the stretch after, oh, he, yeah. after he sprained his MCL. And I, I don't, I don't think people give enough credit to the, like the, the construct of if a quarterback injures his knee and it, see, when it's a sprain, you're like, Oh, he tweaked his knee. No, a sprain yeah. is a really mild tear. Like he tore, he, he slightly tore his MCL and he's, then he's asked to drop back and drive into passes all the time. And that, that's a hard thing to do. And it was reflected in the statistics. Oh yeah. I mean, I also just think it's a, it's a solid roster. Like I, I don't know that yeah. it's one of the top five rosters in the league, but it's probably somewhere, you know, in the back half of the top 10. Yeah. Um, maybe it's very, a it's very, it's very well constructed across. Oh the yeah. Board. There's not a lot of weaknesses. Let me, let me ask you this with the, now, would you? Who do you think in the first month of the season, whose offense will be better, the Buccaneers or the Colts? Because I, I think both. I think it could be a little bit of a struggle for transition for both. The Bucks have the better weapons, but Philip Rivers is familiar with the system that he's going into with Frank Reich and, and Nick Sirianni. And I would even argue that, like Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, are going to need time to develop a rapport with whoever the quarterback was there, because and maybe even T.Y. Hilton, because he hadn't spent that much time with Brissett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think also I'm not looking at the schedules in front of me. I know that the Bucks play the Saints in week one, so already they're starting off with a really tough defense. I would imagine that just based on the two teams' schedules that the Colts face weaker defenses. Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, and Bears for the Colts. And so, I mean, the, the Jaguars and Jets defenses you should be able to throw on. Saints, Panthers, Broncos, Chargers for the – Buccaneers. I mean, that's, that's, that's not that's easy. Probably three tough defenses and like maybe the worst defense in the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, I think there's a, I think it's more, I also think the Colts will be more capable of leaning on the run game because their offensive, the Buccaneers have a good offensive line too, but mm. the running back situation for Indy is substantially better. Way, way, way better, really. I mean, Jonathan yeah, Taylor, I, Marlon Mack, I think that there is a better chance that Rivers is just done than that Brady is just done. I would agree with that. Um, I don't know that the chance for either one is, you know, better than 50-50 that they're just done. I think it's probably 
I think it's probably 25% the river. No, I'll say 15% Rivers is done and 10% Brady's done. I'm a I don't think little either bit is likely. more. Yeah, I'm a, I think I'm a little bit more willing to entertain it in both cases, just based on their performance last year and their age. Um, but I'm certainly I'm, more I'm willing, willing to entertain it. I'm not willing to say there's a 40. I'm not willing to say there's a 40% chance that Rivers is done. I can't say no, that. No, no, I don't, I don't think I would go that high either, but I could get into the, you know, 25, 30% range, maybe just based on, you know, a bunch of things that you saw last year. And granted, he's always been willing to put the ball up for grabs when his team is losing, but I think he was just not as accurate as in general I mean, throughout his career last year. Yeah. He just was not good. I, and again, also, at that age, we, we're, we're not used to it because of how, well, Brady and Manning and Breeze and even like Rogers have been playing at their advanced stages, but generally guys at that age don't play well. Doesn't really happen. Um, and it's, and when the drop off comes, it comes and that's it. Yep. I, I will say this about, about Rivers and Brady that I think part of what led to their poor seasons last year, and you could see it if you, with the benefit of hindsight, you can kind of envision it now. I think they both knew. The, the jig was up at their respective, like the, the, they, this was their final stretch of games playing for the only team they've ever played for in their entire career. And I think you could see them. If you, if you think back on watching Brady, like against the Texans and then against mm-hmm. the Dolphins, he's like forcing balls downfield that just aren't there. And the same with Rivers. Like he's like, I have to win these games or else this is it for me it, 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 with this Chargers team that I've, the only team I've ever, I, I just feel like. They both were Definitely. pressing aggressively, knowing that they f- they felt the need to carry the team. And I think that they'll be a little more relaxed in this new environment. Like, hey, this is kind of fresh, kind of different. Maybe they struggle a little bit out of the gate, a la Manning in 2013. But I think overall we see two guys that play pretty well this season. Yeah, I, th- I th- would definitely agree with just about all of that. And I think also, like, if Brady puts the ball up for grabs this year, he's going to have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin yeah. and Gronk trying and not, to come down. Not Jacoby Myers. I mean, right. You know, I think also like both of them had really bad offensive line play yes. for most of last season, and Rivers is likely to have some of the best offensive line play in the league. He's, he's going to have the best offensive line he's had since 2006. Yeah, and I mean Brady, you would expect that this Bucks offensive line will at least be better than the Patriots unit was last year. It's obviously not going to be better than the Patriots unit was for the majority of his career, right. but it should at least be an improvement over what he saw last season, and that should obviously help quite a bit as well. All right. Let's, uh, quickly talk about a couple of sleepers here because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't throw any teams in either of the NFC or AFC segments that were yeah, different yeah. than yours because I, I, these would have been my four picks if I was doing the piece. Um, so I'm going to, I, I think two teams in the, in the NFC West, I think the Rams yep. and the Cardinals both qualify as sleepers. The Cardinals are a little trendier and probably a more bigger long shot. What you're looking for is the Kyler Murray makes the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, second year as a starter leap in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, and the defense takes a step forward. DeAndre Hopkins' addition shows up, and it's not hard to see them, you know, being nine and seven and making the playoffs, in my opinion. The Rams went nine and seven last year. They would have been in the playoffs if there was an extra spot. Which of those teams do you think is more likely? Um, I think the Rams are probably a little bit more likely just because there are fewer improvements that they have to make it's more about staving off drop-offs after you know not having certain players there anymore um i think you're going to see them be a bit more diversified offensively in terms of their formations which was an issue for them early last season i think they figured out some things along the offensive line down the stretch of the season granted they didn't add any talent to what was a bad unit for probably half the year but i think they found something in the second half of the year where they were at least able to survive it um, Sean McVay obviously is a really good coach. Um, maybe the ninth best coach in the league or something like that. No, um, no, I, I do think McVay. he's probably, we should bleep all, we should bleep all bleeps. Like, I think he's like, probably better than the ninth best coach in the league for what it's worth. No, I'm saying like, we're talking about the Bills. It's like, you know, bleep McDermott is, yeah, I think he's the best coach named bleep. <laughs> he's the best bleep coach league. in the bleep. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Like the, the Rams, like, they have, you know, the best defensive player in football too, which is obviously a big help. They got one of the best cornerbacks in football. Um, we've seen their offense find Cardinals might level. have a similar claim though. I mean, Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson. Oh, yeah. would you, Ch- you would take, Jones you would really take Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey over Patrick Peterson and 
Chandler Jones, but I think it's a little yeah. bit closer than maybe people yeah. think. I also think that the Cardinals have made much more obvious talent upgrades. Obviously, yes. they added DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to have a full season now of Kenyon Drake. Their offensive line should be better, you know, than Marcus it was. Gilbert the did opt out. That's a concern. Right. But I think that, you know, at the other four spots along the line, and plus they could start Josh Jones at that spot, um, who they got in the third round after he was, you know, expected to be like a borderline first or second round pick. They added Isaiah Simmons to their defense, which I think is really interesting. You know, gives them another versatile guy on their defense, which we've seen previous iterations of Cardinals teams utilize pretty well. Um, so I think that the path is somewhat obvious for them. I think that the, the Rams certainly have a better defense than the Cardinals still, I think. And their path offensively is it's more obviously defined, I think. And we could hope that Kyler Murray takes that second-year bump. Most guys don't have the type of second-year bumps that Mahomes and Jackson had, though. You know, if he just takes a step forward as opposed to a massive leap forward, then you're talking about a team that still has a little bit of improvement to do to get to the playoffs. And it doesn't help that, like, they're both in the best division in football. Yep, I agree with you. Uh, I got two two more teams from another division that would at least warrant consideration for me. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Bears... And the Detroit Lions. I don't see it with the Lions. Um, I had I, I, I had this like weird feeling about the Lions. I'm sure it will look stupid by week three. <laughs> I mean, I don't see the the talent defensively. I don't know how they stop enough teams. Like they've you know traded a whole bunch of guys because everybody hates Matt Patricia. Uh, <laughs> you know, obviously they added Jeffrey Okuda, but you wouldn't expect him to necessarily play at a pro bowl, all pro type level in year one, especially without having an off season to, to learn the scheme and things like that. Like I think he'll be a good player um, for the majority of his career. I wouldn't expect him to be at, at his best as a rookie um, offensively. I think that they're going to be pretty interesting. You know, Stafford was on the way to the best season of his career last year yep. before he got hurt. Um, obviously. 40 40,000 or like 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Like he's, yeah, I mean, he 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 looked awesome. They'll flirt with the playoffs. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've got Galladay, Marvin Jones, uh, Danny Amendola, uh, Hawkinson at tight end. I think they still have Jesse James too. Um, you know, they, they added a guy who like they clearly don't trust carry on Johnson to be, uh, you know, full time. We're going to give him 300 touches type of back. And I think for good reason, he's gotten hurt in both of his seasons so far. So they added a guy who's more of like a dynamic pass catcher type in DeAndre Swift. So, so, I think so they drafted a guy in the second round from the SEC, a running back from the second round, yeah. a running back from the SEC in the second round. It didn't work out. So they're like, you know what we need to do is draft another running back from the SEC in the second round. That'll, yeah. that'll fix our, our original problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they're an interesting like offense. I don't see it on defense for them is yeah. is where I come up short. I think that the Bears, if they can get back to, you know, top five defense as opposed to back half of the top ten, then you could get me potentially interested in that. Um, I do think there are a lot of questions on offense. Um, first of all, like, I think that they should get better quarterback play if they go with Nick Foles, but Nick Foles has gotten hurt every single time he's been asked to be a full-time starter throughout his career. He's, yep. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. He has one effective than, full-time season as a starter, and that's really it, the 29-2 season. That's sort of an aberration. Yes, but even then, I don't think he played the full season. Because oh, you're right, because Vic was, was – yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah I, agree, I agree completely with the Bears. All right. Uh, I, I think there's another NFC team that I wouldn't – like I would be surprised but not necessarily shocked – I think there's a really good chance that the Falcons have one of the five best offenses in the league. Uh, their defense is going to be horrendous still. Um, and it's going to make them, I think, look really stupid for passing on CeeDee Lamb to take a corner who's going to, you know, probably not make them a good op- defense anytime soon. Yep. But I think their offense can be really, really, really good. Okay. So that's, that's the type of thing that can carry you. That's a good point. I didn't consider the Falcons somehow. We're talking about a sleeper because they were below, they're above the Buccaneers in the standings I'm looking at, which, yeah. Uh, yeah, if they're, they could be sort of like the, like a poor man's Cowboys. Right. That's sort of the idea. And if they had taken CD Lamb, they could have been the Cowboys. What we expect the Cowboys to be. Yeah. I mean, right. Like your defense isn't going to get fixed. Draft CD Lamb and go Julio, Ridley and CD Lamb and Todd Gurley and dare anybody to come at you. I yeah. mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'd be more scared of CD Lamb than Russell Gage. I, I would, it, it the, the Falcons tout the, 
first overall pick thing, their depth is disastrous. And oh, that, yeah. That's why right. I don't really think they'll make the playoffs. I would be more uh, scared of CeeDee Lamb than Laquan Treadwell, former first-round pick. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Um, a couple of a- – anybody in the AFC East? Um, um, yeah, I think that I would not – like, I would be really surprised. But I think there's a, a decent chance that the Dolphins could feel like a top-10 defense. Okay. Like I, they think, added, I think the Dolphins like, regress a little bit. Okay, that's interesting. Like I think there's a chance that their their offense is worse than it was last year, but their defense was so bad for most of the year. Like you would expect Xavier Howard to play more than whatever he played last year, like four or five games, whatever it was. They added Byron Jones. They added Noah Igbenogane, um as a cornerback in the draft. Now they have probably one of the better cornerback trios in the league. They added Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agba. Uh, Brian Flores is obviously used to generating a pass rush without necessarily having sort of a star pass rusher. And by using sort of that versatile joker linebacker type uh, that Kyle Van Noy is. So I could see them having one of the better defenses, maybe not like the best defense in the league, but they could say, remember a few years ago when the Giants signed like, yes, you know, a million guys on about. defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's sort of the model for the Dolphins where, and let's say it's sort of the same thing where, you know, Fitzpatrick keeps the job for the whole season and they can keep Tua on the bench for the year and they have like an average-ish offense and, you know, a top 10 or 12 defense. That wouldn't like – Eight and eight, probably, eight, eight could sneak you in too. Yeah, and it, it's probably like a 10, 5, 10% chance, but I feel better about that scenario than I do about like Adam Gase making the playoffs. There's, there's also a chance that like – Tua is freaking great. I oh mean, yeah. You know, I mean, like he was great at Alabama. I'll say this about the Dolphins too. When you talk about a defense and it's a very good option for fantasy as in terms of a late round sleeper, they get the Jets, Bills and Patriots. Those are not going to be behemoth offenses out of the, at like out of nowhere. So that's, that's at least worth considering. Uh, would the Chargers, Raiders or Broncos intrigue you as a sleeper? I would say in terms of the order, I would go probably Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Um, the Raiders were an, another team that vastly overperformed their point differential last year. And I mean, how are they stopping literally anybody? Uh, you're also, on your only path to the playoffs is one of the two wild cards. Right. Yeah. You're, you're not, not going to unseat the Chiefs in the division. Um, I, I think the Chargers have a really good defense. They were one of sure. my, you know, teams that could surprise and be the best defense in the league when I did that story earlier in the offseason. Like they probably have the single best or and eh, maybe not the single best, probably like the second or third best uh cornerback trio in the league with Casey Hayward, Chris Harris and Desmond King. Obviously, they got Derwin James. They have really good pass rushers on the edge. They they upgraded. You know, they added a, a linebacker because Denzel Perryman keeps getting hurt. Um, they've got you know an upgrade up the middle. They should have um, who they draft last year in the first round, Jerry Tillery. They should have him yes. for uh, for the full season this year. Um, so I I really like their defense. It's basically the model of the Bills team that made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor starting a few years ago. Yep. If they can have, you know, a top five, 10 defense and an average-ish offense, same thing that I said for um, for the Dolphins. I think it's a better chance of the Chargers making that happen, though. Um, they just have more talent on both sides of the ball. Um, right. And fi- The Broncos, um, I'm much more skeptical of the Broncos than most people are. Um, they're incorporating so many new pieces on offense, like half their offense is new this year. They just lost their tackle, Jawan James, for the year two. They lost yep. their center from last year, Connor McGovern. Um, Drew Locke going into his first season as a full-time starter. He started five top- games last year. Like, yeah. And I like Drew Locke a lot, and I thought he played really well, and I was on the Broncos. But, like, the, the assumption that he is going to, like, be a fantasy monster because he has Jerry yeah, Judy, no. Cortland Sutland, and Noah Fan is, is wild. Even there, like – Two of the three wide receivers are rookies. Noah Fant barely played just in terms of his snap rate last year. And I think that Locke's first two games where he looked quite good are sort of overshadowing the next three games where he looked pretty good. Um, I think it's like, again, we don't see guys take a big second-year leap as often as we think we do. Like, it's entirely possible that he's just fine in year two, or even that he goes backwards in year two. We just saw that with Baker Mayfield last year, who we all thought was going to take a big step forward, and it just didn't happen. You can't just bake in 
definite improvement from him, especially when they're working in so many new pieces. He's having a new offensive coordinator. They're bringing in at least two new pieces on the offensive line. Um, their left tackle, uh, Garrett Bowles, is just not good. Um, there's, there's a lot of issues there, I think, on offense. And uh, they should have Bradley Chubb on defense, yep. uh, but they're not going to have Chris Harris. They did add Jarrell Casey, but they're not going to have Derek Wolf. You know, like they, there's a lot of things I think working against them. Plus, again, they're playing in a division with, you know, either the best, second or third best team in football. So it's going to be really tough for them. Um, the, the other best? team I wanted to talk about was, uh, the Browns. Yeah. I was going to say Browns and Bengals. Um, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I'm not on the Bengals. With say, you. We don't, we don't have anybody in the AFC South because we already, the Jaguars aren't doing it and the Titans and Texans don't qualify. So you're out of the Bengals and that's fine. They were two win team last year and they were rookie quarterback in a pandemic off season. Uh, the Browns do. Well, for me, it's more about the defense. Like okay. uh, they they couldn't stop anybody last year, and they added like two of the cornerbacks from the Vikings who couldn't stop anybody last year on the perimeter. Um, you know, there's a reason they let those guys walk and completely revamped their cornerback room. Yeah. <laughs> but the Browns. Yeah, the Browns. I mean, sort of post type sleeper, I guess. Um, I think that they should be. Much better offensively, just like they massively upgraded their offensive line with Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. I mean, they found their offensive line starters on the interior through the course of last year. Two of them were already set, but they found a, you know, a better starter at, uh, right guard than the one they had at the beginning of the season. Um, upgraded hugely at both tackle spots. They brought in a coach who, you know, was one of the highest users of 12 personnel last year in Minnesota, which is where Baker was at his best. As a rookie, they have two good tight ends to use that personnel package with Austin Hooper and David Njoku. Um, you know, they probably should have Miles Garrett for more than 10 games, which is, you know, he was suspended for, I think the last six games last year, six, seven games, whatever it was. Um, yeah. So I think that there's a, a chance it's, it's tough because they're in a really tough division with the Steelers and Ravens. But again, you, you know, there's, uh, three wild card spots this year rather than two. And if, you know, let's say the Steelers don't do as well as we expect and the Ravens become a 10 or 11 win team as opposed to a 13 win team, you know, that's a, you know, another few wins potentially up for grabs right there. So there, there is a path for them. I don't feel as good about it as I do for, you know, the, the Steelers or the Colts. Um, I think they might be next though. Them are the chargers. I would put the chargers. And Browns is the next two in, I think, for me. Yeah. The see. All right. We, uh, we covered it all. Did a great yeah. job. Apologies to, uh, Washington, the Giants, uh, the Jaguars, well, the Jaguars, Panthers, Panthers, uh, Vikings and, and Packers aren't upsets to make it. Well, the Vikings and Packers um, made it last year. Right. That's why, like, they're yeah. not, yeah. But we didn't talk about any of the teams who made, we're not, this is the who might make the leap into the playoffs. This is not a yeah, like, who could fall out or who's a playoff team. Exactly. Um, all right. Follow him on Twitter at jadubin 5 Read his stuff on cbsports.com. Always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you, sir. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.